Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast, a show brought to you by PureFlix.com. PureFlix.com, the faith, family, and fun video streaming service. Get ready for uplifting news, scripture, movie reviews, and interviews with some of your favorite actors, authors, and pastors. Let's get started. Welcome to the Pure Flix Podcast. This is Billy Hollowell, and we have got a packed show for you today. I want to jump right in. We have an interview with Adam Tyson. He is the pastor who has been popping up at all of these Kanye West events, these Sunday service events that are happening all over the country. Adam is a preacher out in California who met up with uh, Kanye not too long ago, actually. There's a pretty incredible story there we're going to talk about, but they met up. They formed a relationship, and he's been ministering to Kanye West, and we've seen a lot of headlines about that, but now Adam is going to take us behind the scenes. So with no further ado, let's welcome Adam to the show today. Hey, Adam, how's it going today? Hey, man, I'm doing great. So I'm excited to to chat with you. I have been following the work you've been doing, and you've been you've been bouncing around the country, traveling with Kanye West, and participating in these Sunday service events that he's been having all over the country. And I think a lot of people have a lot of questions about these events. There's a lot of intrigue. Um, a lot of people are praying. They're sort of excited to see somebody who has that big of a name coming out and talking about Jesus. But your story, I want to I want to start with your story. Um, and I guess we could start by talking about how you and Kanye connected. Like, how did how did that happen? Sure, Billy, it is an amazing story. You know, only God could do something like what's going on right now. But basically, I'm a pastor, man, in Los Angeles area, and uh, have a small church, about three or 400 people. And we have uh, some folks in our church who work in the industry. And this one guy was telling me that he worked a little bit with Kanye doing different things and that he was going to invite him to church. So we all were like, yeah, man, totally. You should invite him to church. So he did. And he came. And the first Sunday he came, it was like, oh, my goodness, like Kanye West is in the building. And I didn't even realize he was there. I was just preaching away. He kind of came in, slipped out. And people came up to me afterwards and said, hey, did you know who was here this morning? And I'm like, oh, that's super cool. I'm glad he came. You know, I guess I guess that's that. You know, he came one time and <laughs> I would never see him again. But that's OK, because I, I, I hope that he heard the gospel, you know. And so he comes again the second week. Same thing. Then he skipped a week and then he came the third week. And after the third week, he hung out in the back of the church. And when I was done preaching, he's like, hey, pastor, can I talk to you? And we had like a 15 minute conversation where he was so excited to share with me what God was teaching him, how Christ had changed him and wanted to talk more about it. And so that was kind of the beginning of that friendship, right? Which is obviously how long ago was that? When did he come to your church? First time he visited the church was like mid-May. First time we had that conversation, I believe, was the first Sunday of June. So this is like four or five months ago now that this relationship started. And then, so so you ended up coming in, and I think one of the reasons a lot of people have heard your name recently, seen you in headlines, is because during these Sunday service events, when when Kanye pops up at a church or you know wherever he is, you you come out and you present the gospel. You you give a twelve minute sermon. It's usually around that, I believe, twelve minutes. And those sermons have really been moving to people, and people have been shocked to see this pastor standing there delivering this in the middle of this event. So how did it come to be that you ended up kind of joining with him? And I know you have your church out in California, but you're bouncing around and traveling, too. How did that part of the story come to be? 
Well, that's just, <clears throat> excuse me, that's just the beautiful part of what God does. I mean, basically, when Kanye said, I want to get together and talk, I told him I'd be more than happy to. So he started meeting with me in my office. We talked the first time about three hours, and I spent about three hours just going through the gospel, make sure he understood clearly about the atonement of Jesus Christ, that God is holy, that we are sinners, that Christ came to die in the place of sinners, that by repenting and believing in him, we could have eternal life. And he was like, hey, man, I told you I've been radically saved. I believe that message, and I want to get that message out to the world. And then he just asked when I start meeting with him for some discipleship. And after we met a few times, then we decided to start a Bible study. So while he was still in the L.A. area, we started a Bible study on Tuesday nights. And I would just go down, preach the gospel, preach the word, and do a, a little bit uh, of a Q&A. And we would have a turnout. He would, I told him, you can, you can come, invite whoever you want. We would have anywhere from 20 up to 40 or maybe even 50 people come to this Bible study. And so after doing that a few times, he ups and moves to Cody. So like out of the blue one night, he's like, hey, man, I bought a ranch in Cody, Wyoming. I'm like, dude, that's awesome. And then uh, a couple of days later, you know, I'm thinking like, well, I guess we're done with our Tuesday Bible study in L.A., you know, and, and I just didn't think that much about it. And uh, then he texted me a couple of days later and said, hey, can you come to Cody? I want to keep the Tuesday Bible study going. So, so are you um, going Are you going every Tuesday to Cody? Just for the last month I have. Wow. We just felt like it was still early in, in his growth and development, and he's so excited about studying the Bible. How can you say no? Yeah. I mean, if my unbelieving next door neighbor said, would you like to teach a Bible study on Tuesday nights for me and a bunch of my friends, I would be elated. But my next door neighbor isn't necessarily asking that, but Kanye is. Well, so and, if and, the guy's asking, can you come teach the Bible? I'm a pastor. That's like saying sick them to a dog. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Of course, I'd love to come teach the Bible to you and whoever's hungry to hear. Well, and there's so, another factor here. You've got somebody who has a huge platform and somebody who... I mean, for years, Kanye West has talked – these themes have emerged, right, whether it was in the music or the things he's talked about. or I, I believe I remember even years ago him talking about his mother's faith, right, these themes coming out. And I don't know if you want to answer this, but I'm, I'm curious. You know, when, when was it that Kanye really devoted himself to the faith, accepted Christ, had that moment? Was it something that happened a long time ago? Is it a newer development? I was just curious about that piece. No, it's newer. He would say that he knew about the things of God and that his dad also was a Christian counselor. And uh, he, he knew about it. He said he was running from God. And back earlier this year, the first time I talked to him, let's see, was that first Sunday of June. On that day, he told me I got radically saved five weeks ago. Wow. I said, Kanye, what happened five weeks ago? He's like, I was just under the weight of my sin. And I was being convicted that I was running from God. And I knew I needed to make things right. So I came to Christ. I came out of darkness into the light. And that's where I said, hey, let's talk more about that. So when we met for that first meeting for three hours is where we just kind of really talked about what does it mean to be a Christian? What is the gospel? And I just opened the Bible and we worked through it all. And he was like, amen. I believe every, every verse, every thing that you've said is what I believe. What would you say to those, because there are people out there who are skeptical, right? Because there are always going to be, and there are people outside of the Christian world, inside the Christian world, who would say, okay, well, is this legitimate? Is it real? You know, what is this Sunday service thing? Like, what would you say to those who are skeptical of everything that's happening right now uh, with the Sunday service in Kanye? I would say that we need to be faithful to encourage one another. And if there's going to be a person that's going to 
say, I love Jesus, <clears throat> excuse me, I love Jesus, I've repented of my sins, I want to follow him, help me grow, then that's beautiful. So now we're in discipleship. So why would I continue to say to someone like that, well, I'm just not sure. The only reason I would say I'm not sure is if somebody was not professing Christ or showing fruit. So this guy professes Christ boldly, unashamed of the gospel, wants to talk about Jesus, and I'm seeing a lot of fruit in his life. And the fruit that I'm seeing is that he's no longer continuing in some of the sin patterns that he was before he came to Christ. Right now, every day, he is living and walking with, with God. So from what I can tell, there's no reason for me not to encourage that and be a part of that. What are you, and, and I understand that too, and I think one of the things, you know, people love to critique. They love to, to say, oh, well, you know, the, and it's, it's good to be smart about things, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. It's good to be smart about things, but it's another thing that when you're actually seeing fruit, you know, we should be praying for people. I think human nature, our, our first thing that we like to do, and I think maybe it's the nature, too, of social media and where we are, is to critique and to go after people and to say, well, what about this, this, and that? But when you have somebody who's legitimately seeking um, and they're and they've had this experience and they're trying to live the right way. We should be praying for those people, especially somebody who has a massive platform <laughs> and, and they're and they're uh, impacting people. Right. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, if I wasn't on the inside of it, I might be a little skeptical myself. So shame on me for being that way. I, I do think we need to be cautious, but I've spent enough hours with this man to know that God is at work. And so I've told him many times, as long as you're professing Christ and wanting to live for him, I'm here to help you. My, my goal is to help you to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. And just to show some of the fruit that I see in his life, he's in the Bible, he's in prayer. When, when we're hanging out in the studio working on Jesus's King album or at Bible study, there's various people coming in and out. If somebody cusses in his presence, I've heard him say a couple of times, hey man, you can't cuss when you're with me, I'm wow. a born-again Christian. Wow. Like, who's going to say that if they're not meaning that they want Christ to be exalted in all that they do? And there's been a lot of discussion, too, about him leaving secular music, going into gospel music and all of that. And I won't ask you about that because I don't think it's fair to ask somebody else about, about whether or not those things are true. But it does seem like elements of that um, are true. But let me ask you this because this is something— Billy, you... Billy, those things, those, those, those things are true. He wants to just sing Christian music. I asked him, what does he want to do? He's like, I want to take all of my time, all of my talent, all of my resources to sing for God. So we've talked specifically about secular music versus Christian music. And he's like, from now on, all I want to do is serve Christ. I want every song that I sing to have part of my testimony, to include the gospel, and to include the element of worship to our great God. That's what I want to do. And I'm like, great, wow. I can get behind that. Let me help you with that. Whatever you need, I'm here to help. So he wants me to listen to different lyrics, different songs, and help tweak parts of it where I'll hear a song in the studio. And I'm like, uh, hey, man, I'm not sure what you're trying to say right here. This, to me, is a little fuzzy. What are you trying to say? And he'll tell me what he's trying to say. And I'll be like, you know, well, I don't understand it. Maybe you could say it a little differently or be careful here. You know, it's not like I'm writing the song. It's all of his work. He's the complete creator, uh, creative kind of guy who's the musician. I'm just making comments the way I see it and then how to articulate the gospel more clearly and yeah. then how to include the component of worship, which that was his idea. Wow. Well, I appreciate you you speaking on that, too, because I, you know, I don't like to ask things that, you know, it's like you don't want to put somebody in a position of saying, hey, confirm something. But it is amazing to hear that part of that of that process that is going on what what would you say 
you have seen come out of these events. These Sunday services are happening. You are there. You're delivering a sermon. What is happening at these events? Are you seeing fruit come out of it? I'm just curious about that. So, well, the way that came about was basically last, I haven't been to a Sunday service. And then when we were together, that Cody Bible study the week before Detroit, he's like, Adam, I want you to preach in Detroit this weekend. I said, hey, bro, I don't know if you want me to preach. He's like, yeah, I do. And I said, hey, if I preach, I'm going to preach the gospel. And I don't know everybody's going to like that. It's going to change <laughs> the way Sunday service feels. It's going to be now it's going to be a crusade. And he's like, that's exactly what I want. So we prayed about it and decided, let's go. We have an opportunity to preach the gospel. Let's do this. And so the results that I'm seeing both in Detroit, <clears throat> sorry, the results I'm seeing both in Detroit and in New York was overwhelming, positive, encouraging. Thank you, Pastor, for bringing the word. So the whole choir comes up to me afterwards. So thankful, Pastor, for that word. Uh, obviously, Kanye excited about it. It came right up to me after Detroit and said, that's exactly what I wanted. I wanted the gospel to go forth to Detroit. Um, the one in Queens was even a little bit more responsive. I preached a message on forgiveness in Queens out of Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 35, about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I just think that message just touched a lot of hearts and a lot of lives because our world is dealing with forgiveness. Every day we're dealing with forgiveness. And so after that particular message, most of the people that I talked to just came up and said, that message was for me. Um, I was on the street in Harlem shortly after that message. We ate dinner. We we're about to go to the listening party in Harlem. And people coming up off the street said, Pastor, I heard your message on forgiveness this morning. Can I talk to you about it? And I'm like, hey, man, I'm happy to talk to you about it. What's God doing in your life? And people just started confessing sin and saying, I now understand that if I don't get right with God through repentance and faith in him, I cannot forgive my neighbor. And they were like, I just hadn't quite seen it that clearly before. Thank you so much for preaching God's word. And so it's just been amazing, positive, encouraging, God-exalting responses. Now, you initially, to talk a little bit more about your story here, you is it true that you had gone into medicine? Were you going to do something else before becoming a pastor? So I used to be a physician's assistant. So I worked as a PA, a physician's assistant in cardiovascular and thoracic wow. surgery wow. in Savannah, Georgia, for about three to four years before I went to seminary. What made you make that? I mean, that's a huge switch. You work hard to get to that place, right? And um, you obviously could have done that job forever, but what, what made you say, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into ministry now? You know what? <clears throat> I was just serving in my local church, teaching Sunday school to uh, 11th and 12th graders. I uh, started having invitations to speak at youth camps and college retreats. And then my pastor asked me to preach on a Sunday night. And then he asked me to preach on a Sunday morning. And then I started realizing, like, man, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I need to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God myself. And then I just started having this passion to know God and to help others know Him. And I used to sit in my office as a PA thinking, like, man, what am I doing? I, I might be helping people live longer, but they're just going to sin more. I, I want to help people live forever where they never sin again. And that's a quote, actually, by Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, great pastor, preacher, expositor, from last century in, in England. But man, when I when I was just meditating on that, I'm like, yeah, I, I think I need to change professions. I think God has given me a greater desire to preach and shepherd people in the gospel and in the ways of God's word than to do the physical help, which is which is awesome. I love 
Christian doctors and Christian lawyers and teachers and firemen and policemen or whatever, do, do whatever you do to the glory of God. But for me, it was just started to become a clear change where God was calling me into the ministry full time. Wow. That's incredible. And now, and now, you know, here you are doing this. What do you think, and this is the last thing I'll ask you because you give me a lot of time here. I know you're busy. Um, what's next for, for you and Kanye and these Sunday services? Hey, man, we're just taking it one week at a time. He wanted my input on what Sunday service will be in the future. I shared with him some thoughts about what we're doing and, and, and how to continue. And we're just dialoguing about it, praying for God's wisdom and looking to do this. Uh, he, he's committed to do Sunday service every weekend. So, you know, it's an interesting uh, thing. It's a social phenomenon. And he's like, hey, we're going to pick a spot for this weekend. I want you to come back and preach again. So this weekend we'll be somewhere, and I'm planning to preach on John 3.16 and just bring it right down the middle about what knowing Christ and serving Him is all about. Well, listen, Adam, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. we got to have you back again. You got it, man. It's so great to talk to you, Billy. Appreciate your love for Christ and your desire to get the Word out. We'll be right back with more of the Pure Flix Podcast. Did you know you can access thousands of entertaining and inspiring faith and family-friendly TV shows, movies, and original series? It's simple. Just log on to pureflix.com right now to start your free one-month trial. From kids' content to some of the most uplifting films, we've got your entire family covered. Sign up today. And we're back with more of the Pure Flix podcast. Okay, next up we have one of my very best friends who is also a part of the Pure Flix family, Sarah Rivette. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm doing very well, Billy. Thank you for having me on. Well, I wanted to have you on. You have not been on this on the Pure Flix podcast with me. You have been on um, past podcasts that I've done, and we go way back. We've been friends since we were very young, I feel like, right? Like 20-ish? Let's not date ourselves <laughs> now, please. Well, I wanted to have you on because um, you know your family has gone through something, and you're continuing to go through something really, really difficult. Your nephew, John, um, was diagnosed with a brain tumor a few months back. And how, how old is John? John is 11. Um, he turned 11 this summer, the day before, the week before he started um, his radiation and chemotherapy uh, treatments, um, which was in June. And so he was diagnosed in May with a brain tumor on his brainstem um, and then several other little, they called them splatter paint brain tumors in his cerebellum, which um, anybody who knows anything about the brain, that means that all of his mobility and all of his motor functions are really impacted. The cerebellum really controls your ability to move, your ability to walk, um, talk, eat, swallow, all of those kinds of things that are really essential um, to, to anybody, but especially an 11-year-old boy who is very active in sports. So um, his symptoms started earlier this year, and we it was those motor issues that we noticed were, were becoming problems. He wasn't able to play basketball. He wasn't able to play baseball. He had problems going up and down stairs and walking and feeding himself. And so that's when we knew something was wrong, and we started bringing him to the doctors. Um, his pain increased, which led to tests, which led to a diagnosis in May um, of, of these brain tumors. 
And this has been one of the most, it's one of the most, it probably is the most difficult thing anybody could ever face, especially for your sister, for a parent um, going through this with a child. And you guys have had, um, and just watching this and praying for you and, and, and watching this all unfold, you have had so many people in the community, and, and I'm here in New York, but in, in their small New York community where your sister and your nephew are, so many people have rallied around your family um, and, and you've had celebrities like Dean Kane and others, you know, come come forward to offer support. What what has it been like the last few months to obviously the experience? It's probably unimaginable to to explain, but to watch the support, the groundswell of support around your family. What has that been like? There are I mean, this is obviously a parent, a family's worst nightmare, um, having an active 11 year old boy go from, you know, arguing over how much Fortnite he can play to trying to convince him that he needs to eat in, in, you know, in the course of a few months, that's kind of where we've gone from. Um, But there have been so many little blessings and so many little signs of God in this whole entire trial, Um, just happenstance meetings and little twists and turns that have led to, to some really great moments. Um, but like you said, we're from, my family is from a very small town in upstate New York, um, closer to Vermont than to anything in the state of New York. So it's very, very small. I think John's uh, current class is somewhere around maybe 40 students. And that class and the entire community have really just rallied together to kind of pour their love and their support and their kindness and all of this positive energy in into our family and we would not be able to do any of this without them um one example of this and this is kind of why we're talking today because we have a besides the prayer request we have a request from the law enforcement the ems the firefighting and the military communities um john's fifth grade teacher she her daughter is a member of the washington county sheriff's department and what originally started as a request for a ride along for John before he went into surgery um, to have the tumors removed in June had turned into him being made into an honorary captain with the Washington County Sheriff's Department. And it was this really significant moment for John because our family has always had a very, uh, very keen sense of community and a dedication to helping others and So him being made an honorary sheriff where he got to hang out with these police officers and he got to hang out with these canine units who dogs are only second to Fortnite in in John's world. (laughs) Well, maybe second to Fortnite and then football and baseball. But, um, yeah, you know, typical 11-year-old old boy. And so we, as, as part of that, we've gotten this outpouring of support from these other communities who don't even know John, who have maybe never met him. And um, the entire Albany Police Department, FBI units, um, uh, federal marshal units that were in Albany escorted him home for a 90-mile trip um, when he was sent home on hospice in July. Um, they were there, and they, wa- they, they lined the hallways of the hospital as he was removed from his room and taken down to the, the ambulance. And then he had a police escort the entire trip home. So, I mean, these people who don't know John but feel connected to him because of his affiliation and his honorary status, um, there's just been an outpouring of love. And um, and news stories. I mean, news stories. Too. I mean, there's yes. so many stories that have come out of this. Um, I remember, too, when he came home, didn't the community gather um, on a hill outside of the window and, and spell out a message for him? Yes. Yeah, so the 
he came home on a Wednesday and it was the processional with the, the police escort. And then on Friday, his, um, his baseball coach, who is the, the individual who recognized in John this kind of sublime power to encourage and uplift and be there for, for other players and other students and who gave him the title of captain for the Little League baseball team, organized a, um, a prayer vigil and a candle vigil. And where John lives, he lives, um, his house backs up to a golf course. And on the other side of the golf course is the, the high school and the um, elementary school. So they met at the school and they walked through this golf course and they spelled out um, with candles, our captain. Excuse wow. me. That's okay. Um, I know. I know this is so hard. And, you know, one of one of the reasons we wanted to have you on today was to share where your family is. I think there are a lot of families that face these really difficult situations and to hear how the community has come together, but also the request that you guys have, which I think, and you were getting to that um, a little yes. a little bit before when I interrupted you to ask about that moment, but, but I wanted to highlight that because I, I just think it shows how amazing this community is in coming around you guys, but you guys have a request for, for everyone out there. Yeah, we do. Um, but going back to that moment, that prayer vigil, um, that candlelight vigil organized by these people, there was there, there a miracle happened in that moment. Um, that day, that Friday, John's breathing was really bad. He was having a very difficult time. And the hospice nurse told Carrie that it was Carrie's my sister, John's mom, that it was probably time to tell family to start making arrangements to come and visit. Um, and the next day he woke up and he asked for waffles and bacon for breakfast. <laughs> so, I mean, there was a moment there and I, we all don't know God's timing or, or God's purpose. And we, we were still trying to figure out why John is still here in pain. Really at this point, he is, he's having a lot of trouble breathing. He is um, in and out of consciousness. This morning, Carrie told me that, you know, he smiled and laughed when she was making jokes about something, but then, immediately stopped having a smile on his face when she mentioned that he needed to take a bath today because he hates getting out of bed because movement and motion makes him um, nauseous and ill. So of course he doesn't want to get out of bed and, and be told to take a bath. Also a very 11 year old boy thing to do. Um, and so we're kind of at this place now where there are a few things that are, he's responding to. And one of those things is this collection of um, challenge coins and patches and pins from these law enforcement, these firefighting EMS military communities. Um, they started coming in when he was in the hospital, mostly from local New York um, affiliated locations. He's gotten a few like national guard coins from the national guard unit in Scotia. Um, he has, coins from FBI entities in New York, uh, sheriff county, um, county sheriff offices. And so we were talking and this is the one thing that he still loves to interact with. He loves to feel the coins. He loves to like look at them and see what kind of details in them and hear the stories about how these coins are designed. Um, these coins are a military tradition and they were given out as like a, a an attaboy kind of thing. And they were they're called challenge coins because in, in military community, what happens is, is, you know, if you have a bunch of military guys together, they try to see who has the highest ranking coin and whoever um, is the winner, you know, in like this little, you know, 
military community competition because everything's a competition sometimes <laughs> um they they're the ones that have to buy the round of drinks or the dinner or the whatever um they're the ones that are that get out of and kind of the challenge it's it's this really funny kind of tradition but so we're asking that anybody within these communities or anybody that knows somebody in these communities, if they could send um, coins or pins or patches to kind of help grow his collection, um, we, we realize that he only has them from five states. So how cool would it be if we could get one from every single state so that his collection is massive and he has support from all over the country um, and, and he knows that his story is having an impact um, with other people that he's never even met. So Sarah, Sarah if people want to send these challenge coins, the patches, the pins to you guys and, and make this wish a reality, where would they send them to? Um, she, she, there's a PO box. So it's PO box six, Whitehall, New York, one, two, eight, eight, seven. Um, they can address it to the captain. Um, that's kind of what his name is. And it, it's always going to be, um, like I said, his baseball team, his baseball coach was the one who identified in him this inherent ability to encourage and uplift. So we know that there's, there's something at work here. We know that, that God has a plan and that we're, we're just trying to be patient and understanding and um, leaning into him and leaning into prayer so that we, we know that at the end of this, there is glory uh, for John and for our whole family. Well, listen, Sarah, I really appreciate you coming on to share this. And we want to encourage people to send those challenge coins, those pins, and those patches in. Again, the address is P.O. Box 6. It's Whitehall, New York, 12887. And you can address it to the captain. Thanks again, Sarah. We're going to be praying for you and your family and, and for John. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much, Billy, and everybody at PureFlix. I hope you have a, a great day. Oh, man, that is so powerful. There's so much to think about there. I would ask you guys to please pray for the Rivette family, pray for John and his mother, Carrie, and send those pins, send those challenge coins over in those patches. Let's encourage that family. Let's support John. And we thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. You can tune in next week for another episode. If you didn't hear last week's show, we had Candace Cameron Bure on. She's the actress from Fuller House. She's also an author and an all-around great person. You want to hear what she had to say about faith, Hollywood, and so much more. If you want daily inspiring content, you can head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash pureflix. We also have amazing daily content over at the Pureflix Insider blog. That is insider.pureflix.com. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week on another episode of the Pureflix podcast. That's all for today's podcast. You can follow Pure Flix on Facebook at facebook.com slash pureflix and on Twitter at pureflix. And be sure to log on today to pureflix.com for your free month of access to thousands of faith and family friendly movies and TV shows. Thanks for listening to the Pure Flix podcast.